Chats from the Blog Cabin. This is your favorite time of the week with your number one one podcast. Hey y'all, we're on a roll. Number two episode coming back at you from the brief hiatus I took. Uh, Like I said, I will go into that in a little bit more depth in depth when I get ready to have that episode. But this particular episode is talking about embracing your crankiness. And I am chatting with an author who is absolutely a joy to chat with. He um, is a son of a Holocaust survivor who I was really impressed with the, the, just some of the characters that he comes out with as he's talking and his voices and, and some of the, the life experiences he has and, and just life in general, he's just really learned to embrace what we do and how we do. He says his biggest problem is with the word self-help. He doesn't like that word. He likes, he likes other words in place of that. So, um, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. Um, and I hope you learned to embrace your crankiness and make fun of your crankiness because honestly, it's, it's fun. It's better to laugh than to be cranky all the time. Honestly, think about it. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Bye. Hey y'all, it's Melissa. Did you know that creativity is courageous? So you need to pass it on. Albert Einstein was known for saying that. And I want to pass on something right now to you. So listen up, attention DIY enthusiasts, whether you're an intermediate or advanced um, are you ready to unleash your inner creativity and dive headfirst into a wonderful world of do-it-yourself projects? Well, look no further because I'm thrilled to invite you to join me for the new DIY show every Monday at noon Eastern time on Market.Live. Brace yourself for an action-packed 30 minutes of crafts that are easy to do, simple to do, that you can do while you are watching TV or while you are cooking dinner or whatever. It's great. I'll give you some tips and tricks to guarantee you take your DIY game to a whole new level from upcycling to creating stunning masterpieces to creating personalized gifts that scream, I made this just for you, to even tackling those pesky household repairs with confidence. I've got it covered for y'all. So mark your calendars, set those reminders, grab your tool belts because Mondays are about to become the highlight of your week. Join our vibrant community of passionate do-it-yourselfers by joining me Mondays on Market.Live, the DIY show, at noon Eastern time. And if you cannot catch the live, catch the replay. Because I promise you that there's going to be something for everyone. I try to make these crafts as simple as possible so that if you're a busy mom or a busy dad or, or you're busy in your life with your life going on, but you want to create a project that you can sit back and look at it and say, I did that, and you want to be proud of it, that you're going to be able to take something that can be store-bought and make it into your own. And I also give little tips and tricks along the way where you, if you have kids at home, you can get the kids involved in crafting while you're doing your craft so they're not going to be bugging you while you're trying to get your craft on. So I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So join me every Monday at noon for the next couple of weeks, noon Eastern time on market.live. I promise you, You will not be disappointed. Until next time, bye.
Come join Melissa and her guests on the Chats from the Blog Cabin podcast. From North Carolina, this podcast will have you feeling like you've known these folks for years. Listen in as they chat about life, culture, current events, and more, all with a special Southern flair. Curl up with your favorite beverage and get ready to be entertained. Tune in now for a unique experience that's fun and insightful. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin. You know, the show where we, I virtually invite people into the Blog Cabin to chat about life. And today we're chatting with Stephen Joseph. He is the children's book author, but he has got such a varied thing. I think you call yourself a book author, a crankiness expert, and a humorist. So, wow, that's a lot of different things all rolled into one. But, Stephen, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so my, my day job, I'm actually a lawyer, and uh, which I guess being a lawyer makes you kind of cranky. Uh, didn't expect to be writing books, but uh, all of a sudden uh, had like this thought. Uh, my first book was The Last Surviving Dinosaur, the Tyrannosaurus, Saurus being the Yiddish word for problems, and it's a story about the smallest dinosaur on the planet that kept being very cranky dinosaur and how all humans evolved from that, that cranky dinosaur. And that's why when babies uh, are born, they're always crying or they start, we come out cranky. So, so uh, then I started writing a, a blog on crankiness, which became a book. And then like the, the uh, this book, a grown up guide to, to effective crankiness and then uh, kept writing. And then uh, more kids stories came up. So uh, I have my Snoodles books, uh, so which I have a lot of fun with. And it's just uh, the most fun is collaborating with, with an illustrator. So, yeah, so I, I, I have my, my law work during the day. And then uh, when I'm not doing that, I, I have all these things pop in my head and they go end up on paper. So do you, so writing the books is that kind of a release of your day-to-day -day, like your stress release for your day-to-day -day of being a lawyer uh yeah actually a lot of the law stuff kind of uh inspires this my other stuff and i, I also happen to be a runner uh so i'll run i literally run two hours every morning and when i go out running the, the ideas come in my head and sometimes they start writing themselves, you know, while I'm running and then I just go home and I copy everything down that was already written in my head. And uh, it's great. The best is when I have characters talking to me when I'm running. I just watch them, you know, just uh, have a conversation and that becomes part of the story. So take us through like, like when you're running, does it, is it something that you see or is it something that you're like, oh, like it's just a thought runs into your head or like a, I'd recently attended a a what was a a talk given by james patterson where he was talking about he saw somebody on a bicycle and he just sat down and started writing his next novel seeing a man riding a bicycle is it that something that you see or is it just a thought that comes into your head uh it, it it's it could be like a thought coming into my head or actually an experience so uh give you a, a couple examples as an attorney i do a lot of mediations and uh, we're, we're negotiating, and I'm usually on, on one side negotiating. And there's a mediator. Uh, this was in my first book where the mediator comes in, and uh, 
comes in with some message. We're all yelling and screaming at the mediator because he doesn't get it. So he goes, well, don't shoot me. I'm just a messenger. And, uh, and then I, I have shoot the messenger Crankosaurus as a chapter in that book, because like I was thinking, Hey, I used to be a messenger when I was a kid. I made minimum wage. This guy's getting $500 an hour and he, it's a good job to be just a messenger. So actually want more than the messenger. And then, uh, another example, again, from a mediation, uh, this mediator says you could argue till the cows come home. So I had this cows come home thought in my head, and that became a number of stories. That's in, uh, part of a chapter in my, my new book. And then also I, I like uh, looking at um, like old stories. So like I, I redo Cinderella and uh, so, and I, I have like different characters in that. And, and I redo the Wizard of Oz where the lion gets to eat the wizard, which is so much fun. Oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> yes, yes. So, uh, uh, and again, it's it's to have a lesson in it. So there, there's, I want it to be as hysterical, really funny, even crazy, but there is a seriousness to it that uh, this, I, I call it a help yourself, not a self-help book. I don't like the word self-help. It's like self-serve ice cream. You know, well, you didn't serve, you just, machine came up with the ice cream or, or uh, in make the ice cream. So this is about like looking at, you know, my most recent book, uh, Cranky Superpowers. It's, it's discovering your own superpowers. Yeah. I love that. Now, normally cranky and humor doesn't normally go together. How do you make that work? Oh God. It's so easy. Oh, oh, it's, it's so, there's so much opportunity. Uh, I mean, they, even if you look at like sitcoms, like uh, the old like I Lo Love Lucy show, it's uh, they're they're in kind of they're always in some sort of pickle, like uh, that they have to get out of. And of course, when you're in a pickle, you're kind of cranky. You know, you can't be like, oh, we're, it's, you don't watch these sitcoms and everything is going wonderful. Something goes wrong, and that becomes what I would call like uh, a crankosaurus. You know, like a like a, a thing that. Oh, what were you going to do? And and you solved a problem, and uh, you know there there could be some sort of personal growth or you know something out of that. So there, there's so much opportunities. So what made you decide to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to write? First of all, you started writing the your blog, your cranky your cranky blog, your crankosaurus blog. You started writing that, and what at that point did you decide to? start writing books. Let's first start talking about why you decided to write the blog. Well, I started writing the blog because uh, uh, in my first book, The Last Surviving Dinosaur, uh, there's like different reviews. And, and one reviewer wrote, well, he didn't talk enough about overcoming your crankiness. And uh, and my whole point is embracing the crankiness. That, and, I, and I call it the common crankosaurus, where it's like, you know, you say the common cold, you have one or two in the entire year, a common crankosaurus, you have two or three in the morning alone. So since it, uh, it becomes like uh, it's, it's normal and it's, it's like it's not something that you have to get rid of. It's something we all have. Uh, you know, it got me to to write more about how to embrace our crankiness, have fun with it and, and not beat ourselves up because we're cranky. And also, 
like, and also like just one, one thing is just uh, use and like my first book is more on effective crankiness. So, uh, and I talk about how, you know, you go in to see, you know, you go visit your grandmother and she says, Oh, take off Melissa, take off your shoes. I just had bought this new rug is $25. I don't want to get the rug dirty. And you take off your shoes, but we kind of, make our we put the dirt on each other with our with what we say so uh -huh. understanding that um how how do we deal with that effect again it's not to get rid of it, it's to recognize it but how to be more effective with it that we're not hurting each other or or even we recognize it and it's, it's an opportunity for self-discovery and that, that's the cranky superpower piece I love that because a lot of people think that, especially when you get older, you're just a cranky old man or a cranky old woman. It's like, it's almost like it's placed on it that once you get older, you're the crankier you get. But the more you embrace it, you realize that that's who you are, regardless. That's yeah. always inside you. Well, that, that, that's, I have a chapter, uh, Old Dog, New Tricks, Crankosaurus. Yeah. So in, in this new book, but uh, yes, uh, you, it's 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 a it's part of all of us. It's not just like old or young. Every, you know, like you have a cranky little baby. You know, you have a cranky old person. Yeah, everybody's cranky. Uh, so, uh, uh, it, and there's a lot of different things that make us cranky. Uh, and and that discovering that piece, what we could do about it. That it's really uh, it's it's actually uh, a learning experience for me. So a lot a lot of the the uh, uh, chapters, uh, it's, it's like, oh, wow, like that's, that could help me out. So like, just for example, uh, I thought the, the, uh, thing that affected me that really hits me, I have this chapter, drive me crazy crankosaurus where, and it happens to, to I think everybody where it like, like the first sentence is it drives me crazy when, and then you fill in the blank when something happens. And, and then after that, there's the next sentence, which really makes you crazy. I cannot understand how. So like how you, like, let's say it's my daughter. I'm having like, how I can't understand how, you know. And, and then I have the story about like all these different interactions that everybody's having that same thing coming from different perspectives. And uh, so I have one, like there's, there's a, a people. There's people in a restaurant where the the the, pe the customers aren't getting served, and I can't. I'm, drives me crazy when the waiter who's getting directed by the owner goes in the same thing. It drives me crazy when the owner who gets the complaints. It drives me crazy when. So everybody, because of the exact same thing, they're all having the same reaction, but for different reasons. And then when you see that, this is so common. This happened. And then they, I, I could just hey, maybe I don't have to get crazy. Maybe I could just say, yes, I don't understand it. I could take a deep breath. I could laugh about it. Uh, so, and, and then, and have fun with it. So it, it, it's kind of a release that, like it's a, it, my own personal discovery. And, and that was that was a chapter, like for me, it's my favorite. Yeah, for sure. Because I think a lot of people, they get cranky. They don't have fun with it though. And they take it out on other people. And that's when the world becomes such a miserable place. And I think you, you're hitting on something right there. Yes. Yes. So, uh, and that, that actually just, uh, in my new book, 
one of my my favorite little bits uh, in my new book. I have a chapter, Crankosaurus Menopause. And, uh, and, and the reason I wrote that chapter, somebody wrote a review on my first book. So I wish he was a woman because then he could talk about menopause. So I said, well, I'm not a woman, but I'll talk about menopause anyway. And, and, I, and I talk about, uh, you know, my parents were married 60 years. They never really fought, but there was a lot of crazy. So in my relationship with my wife, we have this rule that you're allowed to be 5% insane, 20% crazy, but you have to be 75% normal. And then you might think, hey, that's crazy. I'm doing the math uh, 365 days a year. That's 73 days of crazy. I don't even think I could take that. But it's counterintuitive because if I told you, Melissa, you're not allowed to be crazy, 0% for you. So when you become crazy, you can't say you're crazy, which we all become crazy at some point. You have to say, I'm not crazy. You are the one who's crazy and me. I wasn't crazy, but being called crazy by a crazy person makes me crazy. And then I'm starting to think that you're insane. And then we go back and forth in this insane argument. And, and then you have this big fight. So the thing is, by giving you permission to be crazy, do you feel like, oh, wow, isn't that great? I feel like I, I just let go and not worry, you know, just and uh, and the, the thing that happens is instead by giving you 20%, you end up using maybe 1% crazy. I love so, that. So, and it all works out. That's so awesome. We need to take a brief commercial break, but we'll be right back. People welcomed me and they knew the pain of the journey that we'd been on because they'd been there too. Other Parents Like Me is an online community peer-led for parents with kids struggling with mental health and or substances. It's a space that's safe because like I can actually share what's going on. We offer 15 daily support groups per week and live speaker talks on Thursdays as well as a monthly expert panel. We also have a resource hub that has a toolkit this includes over a thousand articles, podcasts, there's a glossary with the most recent and relevant terms, and we have a directory that's been vetted. The overwhelming feeling when we're sitting in a meeting and I'm telling my story and I see others shaking their head, tears falling, you know, they understand this roller coaster and they're along for the ride. And we are back chatting with Steven about crankiness. Now I noticed several times you've mentioned you read your reviews and you get ideas from the reviews. And a lot of people, they kind of like, well, you know what? I don't, I'll read the reviews, but I don't take much stock in it. But I love the fact that you get some ideas for what you write from your reviews. Let's talk more about that. Well, uh, the reviews, well, I mean, obviously there's some reviews that, uh, excuse me, some reviews that like, uh, you know, my eyes roll and so I'm not going to give anything to it. Like in my first book, uh, there's actually two reviews, two reviews saying uh, he talks too much about Turkish culture. And there was nothing in the book about Turkish culture. It didn't make, mention Turkish, Turkey or anything. And then in, in the second, in my first, my grown up guide to effective crankiness, there was one review that, said well it really liked the book but he says well once in a while he pushes funny and and uh, the thing was about that i go definitely 
that that's one thing I know when I, I push, but you know, sometimes it's like when you, you push it too hard, you want people to laugh. It's too much in your face. And, uh, I, I made a conscious effort in my next book that it's, I didn't push funny. It just happens to be funny. Mm-hmm. It just happens to be, it, it's the, the clever, it, it, you know, a lot of the stuff that's like, I, it's even like, how did I write that? You know, it's just like, it was, I wasn't on drugs then, you know, but, uh, but uh, the, uh, the, the thing about, about that is, it's just funny. You just read it, you know, it does, it, it's so like off the wall and unexpected and, and, and just like makes a point at the same time. So yes, I, I took that from, from uh, from the uh, from the reviews, I, I do take a lot from work, and uh, just uh, uh, there even what people say. Where uh, like I manage lawyers, and uh, and the, the the thing thing about listening to attorneys speak, they always say, I, "I hope for I hope for this. I hope the judge does this. I hope that this. I hope a lot of hope." So, and there's a phrase like, I hope for the best, pre- prepare for the worst. And uh, so I redo the story of, I happen to be Jewish, so I write this, redo the story of the Jewish people leaving Egypt to go to the land of Israel. And it was this brochure that said, please be forewarned, while we hope for the best, we've only prepared for the worst. So, of course, every part of the way they get to the Red Sea. Where's the cruise ship? I expect a big cruise ship over here. I heard your great, great, great aunt, uncle Noah had a, not only have a cruise ship, he had a zoo on the cruise ship. Can you believe that? I didn't go for the, and, and you know, no cruise ship. Well, we hope for the best. We only prepared for the worst. And then where's the map? Do you have, sure you have that, no map. Well, we hope for the best. We only prepared for the worst. The good, I love that. But the good thing that happened, they, one of the only foods they had was borscht, and they figured they were walking around a, cir- in a circle in the desert for 40 years, but they realized if they dripped the borscht behind them, they would find out where they've been, and they won't walk around in circles anymore. And that line, that red line of sand became known as the borscht belt. You know, so, so if you know the borscht belts in the Catskills, so this is a joke. You know, <laughs> I just, I'm, I mean, honestly, I just love, I love, have you ever thought about maybe making your own little podcast or something? Because the, some of the stories that you're telling right now, it's, they're really funny. And the way you're getting into your characters as you're talking, it's really cool. Uh, I, I haven't, I mean, the problem that I constantly have is my day job. Uh, as long as I have my day job, you know, to, and then I'm still writing uh, I have a third Snoodles book uh, coming out, uh, which I'm really excited about. Uh, so, so that's keeping me busy. I actually have a novel idea in my head. So, uh, and now I'm going to have a podcast too. I have thought about stand-up comedy. So, yeah, I was given this uh, uh, gig to talk on, in Times Square on Broadway on Earth Day, go up on stage and do some routines. So I just took material from my cranky superpowers book and I did like five minutes of, uh, of that. And they're like, oh, wow, I like uh, that. That was fun. So, yeah, I, I was thinking of like, let me go to do stand up comedy. 
but again, it's a lot of work to, you have to keep going to the clubs and, and uh, if I was a young person, yeah, maybe, maybe it would have time, but having everything else going on, it's, it's kind of hard, but who knows? You never know what happens. Now let's talk about your children's books. Which one do you like better? Do you like writing the Crankosaurus books or do you like writing the Zoogles books? Uh, well, I, 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 I like, um, I mean, I would have to say like it, it, it goes with what the message is, what, what the, uh, uh, the, the message in the book is. And the one thing I, I have to say that I love about the children's book is the collaboration with the illustrator. I, I have this illustrator, Annie Case, who's in Nottingham, England, actually flew out to Nottingham to meet him in person, to go hang out with him. And uh, it was so much fun. It was just so, and, and, and the thing about you, you write a story and then you put it into story blocks and then you describe what you want. And then he creates this the world that's in your head. And, uh, and, and, and then it's, it's like, like, it feels like a miracle. Like that, that to me, like a miracle when you write the story uh, and, and it's like, wow, how did I come up with that? That's great too. That that's like, like it, it, it's almost, it was came from above into my head that uh, somehow it got created. Uh, so, so that, that it has a separate exciting piece, but I have to say when you get a, a children's book and it's, it's like uh and the illustrations are so great, and and, uh, and uh, you know it creates this whole world of the, you know, in this book, there's like all the characters and the gizmos, you know, sort of thing. If you could see it, you know, like just characters, you know, uh, th th that's that's really really special. Uh, the the next book, why it's special for me. It's, it's like when you just have an idea. So next book is, this is Snoodles in Space, the Snoodle, the Zoodle, Kadoodles, and One Happy Schmoodle. My next book is Snoodles in Space, Episode 2, The Zoodles Strike Back. And the, the idea about why that book is so important to me, the idea came into my head that, uh, you know, if you know Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, you know, the, 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 that sort of thing. Uh, what's interesting about, and I've seen Charlie and Chocolate Factory, both movies, I read Roald Dahl book, and in that book, like Charlie is the hero, they have these misbehaving kids that it, it doesn't turn out too well for them. But I was thinking, like, you know, it, like, uh, particularly in the first movie, I, I always remember where the, all the talent showed up, the media was there, and the little kids were the, the bad kids probably were shamed. They were like probably in the newspapers and whatever. So it was about, so I wanted to write a book that made the bad kids, the heroes in the book. So, uh, so, so I have uh, frimpy, frumpy, frutal and wimpy, wumpy, woodle uh, having a, a, a fizzy, whizzy, papa doodle and a, a swizzly, twizzly, slime, a doodle. So one go, blows up and pops and the other one turns into a bucket of slime. And it's, and it's, it's almost, it's like a takeoff. So instead of Oompa Loompas, you have the Shlumpa Doodles. Uh, and yet they go to Charlie Ch Chucky Chocolate Doodles, Chocolate Factory. Uh, so, so, um, 
they 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 undo the plot to make everybody willy nillies and dilly dallies. Uh, so so they become the heroes and they get the keys to the city and all the students in the class are applauding them. So they, they become the heroes. But I can imagine, like, of course, in that book, there's newspaper headings like, uh, uh, you know, about the kids that, uh-huh. you know, and all the kids know that like, oh, wow, you really didn't do too well, did you? So, so, so that, that to me is, is a great, great story. And all my books, what I love about the kids' book is that I have a museum open up. The first book has an art museum. Uh, this book, the second book had like a space exploration museum. And this book has a, 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 a aquarium because uh, they use the, these vacuum-doodles to vacuum the gruel out of the oceans and clean all the oceans and the rivers. And, and they open up their own museum. So that that's always exciting. I love that. Were you a big going to museums when you were a kid? Did you love going to museums when you were a kid? Yeah. Yes. Yes. That was a big thing growing up as a kid. I, I grew up in New York City. Grew up in the Bronx. So there's a lot of museums, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I remember, uh, uh, you know, it like I remember going to museum of natural history that was my favorite museum because then you go to the to uh the planetarium as well so you go both at the same time and it was like a voluntary contribution <clears throat> so we go with like six six of us and give like a nickel to cover all six because you could give whatever you want back you know i'm sure now it might be a little bit higher but but for a nickel we got six of us into the museum and then we just spent the whole day in the museum and that was like that was pretty neat. That was that was a pretty neat experience. And of course, uh, of course, as a little kid, uh, fond memories going to Washington D.C. and the Smithsonian museums, one museum after the other. And you know, I would never get bored. I just give me come. Let's go to the next one. Yeah, you know, just so that was always fun. And then when my daughter was little, taking her to Washington to do the museum thing. So I, yeah, I love museums. What does your daughter think of your children's books? Um, well, my daughter's 28, so uh, uh, so she she she's uh, kind of impressed, amazed, not not expecting it. Uh, did, didn't know where that come from, came from, sort of thing. <coughs> so that's fun. I love that the fact that she didn't know where it came from. I mean, I have a 28 year old daughter, and I think if I wrote a children's book, she would wonder where it came from too, as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, I read in your bio that you're also a son of a Holocaust survivor. Yes, um, my mother was uh, in Bergen-Belsen. Uh, both my parents, uh, uh, my father's from, from Romania, my m- mother was from Czechoslovakia. And my, my, uh, my mother uh, was in the concentration camp. So, uh, and uh, that you know, being like a, a survivor, I think that, that kind of has an uh, impact, you know, growing up as a child, uh, being a son of a Holocaust survivor. Uh, so I know, uh, like, even things uh, that I, I had to deal with over, li- like, you know, bumps in the road of life that we all have. Uh, it's that kind of like survival mentality. I think uh, I carry that with me. So, uh, 
Yeah, so I think I mentioned that because I think that's an important piece of who I am. Do you think that's why you embrace your crankiness? Do you think that's why you think that's so important to embrace who you are, no matter your flaws and all, because there's a lot of people that don't embrace who other people are? Uh, yeah, no, I think that that to me, embracing embracing crankiness, uh, it's... It, 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 it's a bit nice way to, to, to look at things, look at things in a, in a funny way, you know, it's just, um, uh, but once you embrace it, then you could see all the opportunities. You get to laugh at yourself and, and laugh at situations. Uh, and, uh, and then learn how to deal with it. So, uh, and it's like so many different ways. It's just, it's like, like, again, uh, going to like a chapter, uh, like I, I use phrases sometimes that like because it's funny when you think about it. Uh, like uh, I have a chapter, axe to grind, crankosaurus, and uh, you know people get angry. I have an axe to grind with this person, axe to grind, and um, uh, the 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 thing about others and I created a story where this poor guy was given an axe grinder. And so he grounded up his axe till he had no axe left anymore. And he, and he needed his axe to cut the wood to warm his house. And when he had no axe, he couldn't cut the wood. And, and the town people found him like shivering to almost to death in, in the corner of his house. So, uh, and then they all saved him, whatever. So, so just like taking things and, and, um, and making having fun with it. So another one, uh, first rodeo crankosaurus, and in, in that chapter, again, it's a it's a funny saying. And this is saying, like I hear lawyers say, like people they want to show how tough they are. This ain't my first rodeo. And the funny thing about that is that these people say it. They've never been to a rodeo. They don't know nothing, not a single thing about a rodeo. They haven't been a thousand miles to the closest rodeo. And yet they say, this ain't my first rodeo. And of course, the funny thing about that is we never say the same thing about this ain't my first circus. Oh, see, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, taking the kids uh, to the circus. Oh, you don't seem too excited. It ain't my first circus. Yeah, so... So having fun with that. And of course, again, I have a story about this guy uh, going to the first row. He keeps falling off the horse, keeps getting injured. He has two broken legs, two broken arms, concussion, teeth knocked out. Finally, they pick him up off his wheelchair, put, put him on the meanest bull for the 10th rodeo. And he was able to ride for like five, six minutes when the top bull rider couldn't last two seconds. And they asked him, Hey, how could you? How did, were you able to stay on this this pole? He goes, eh, "It ain't my first rodeo." So again, you know, like that that probably happened comes from like the survival thing. And, you know, you fall off the horse, you keep getting back on, fall. You know, just that, that sort of thing. And that's how you you could approach life, and your cranky superpower sort of thing comes out. So, do you think you being a lawyer helped you write your books? Uh, yes, <laughs> definitely. And, and I actually, uh, uh, actually being a lawyer, uh, a couple things, first of all, uh, 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 lawyer that I, I, I have to negotiate and, 
so uh, there's different skills in negotiating, giving people the opportunity to be heard. Uh, I have to convince other people that they're getting their best deal, even though like that. Uh, I always find it funny where like like if someone say, "Oh, I'm going to win, I'm going to win, I'm going to win," it's like, well, the other side's going to like brace. Well, no, you're not. And like I have to convince the other side they're going they're going to get what they want when actually I'm getting what I want. It's it's how we negotiate. Uh, I'm also I was married to a therapist for 20 years, and then after that, I have my new wife. Or my we I've, we've been together for 12 years. She's also a therapist. So so being with therapists for over 30 years um, kind of rubs that rubs off on me as well. So that kind of combination, psychology, psychology used in negotiation. That's all about psychology. Well, I definitely so, could tell that. Oh, so yeah, it, it all gets put together. I definitely could tell that you use negotiation and the Snoodles and Space book because I read that one. That mm -hmm. you, you had that negotiation between you, like you had two what, what was it brothers that don't get along because yes. they were like fighting with each other, and then how you had used the the kids to negotiate for. Like they were the mediators in between, and I love. Yeah, that. that's right. Yes, they were the mediators. Well. Yeah, yeah, to to save the planet. Yeah, so, very important. Yes. So, what do you think when the kids pick up the book? Besides them having fun and getting them to read, what do you want kids to get out of your books? Uh, I I want kids to get uh, the, the big thing. Uh, is uh, like think of possibilities and and uh, like a world that that's a better place. Leaving this world a better place than than you than you the world that you were given. Uh, and in thinking of the possibilities, uh, so uh, actually the that book uh, was uh, that that's whole story. You know, in that story, there's two parents saying, oh, they, they scold their kids. You know, it's not brain surgery. You know, it's not rocket science. And it started out as a, as a, as a blog, Rocket Science Crankosaurus. And the point of the blog is that people always tell, like, scold their kids or tell, like, tell some young, usually it's a young person, you know, it's not rocket science or brain surgery when it was the most simplest task. And I said, the person hearing that, oh, I failed in the most simplest task around, so why should I try to do anything difficult? So, so it was important to, us to take that and make it a story where uh, what happened on the planet, uh, Zoodle, all the, the, actually it came from the rocket scientists and the brain surgeons would poo-poo everybody. Oh, you are only a blogger, a podcaster, you know, it's not rocket science. And, some, and then everybody became so intimidated to become rocket scientists or rock, uh, brain surgeons. There was none left on the entire planet. Uh, and, and that also came, I'm listening to the radio say we were pr producing less scientists, less this, less that. And, uh, and I, I like uh, you always hear things. Oh, you know, like you know, we have global warming, this problem, that problem, this thing, that thing. 
And and then you watch on TV every another zombie movie sort of thing. And I, I wanted to write something about, no, we can make this place a better place. Yeah. And that's where, like, you know, with with the creativity, with the museums, the curiosity, and, and you know, that that is so important. Uh, and even like these kids who made a mistake in the next book, they become the heroes uh, and, and they build their own museum as well. So again, like making everything better, the, the rivers and oceans are now clean uh, because of these kids. And it's by taking chances, by being creative, by challenging, challenging themselves and making the right decision. So so that's why I want kids to have and have a lot of fun with it too. So uh, I, I think uh, even in both my books, whether it's for adults or for kids, that, that they they need to have a lot of fun with this. But there is a serious, serious message in there as well. You know, it's just um, that I, I want people to take out of it and and filled with hope and filled with yeah, I could do it. And, that's why I call these like a help yourself book that you'll just, you want to help yourself. You know, you don't want anybody to have a book to help like self-serve ice cream. You want to go out there and do something. And, you know, I have never thought about the self-serve ice cream because you're right. You don't actually make the ice cream. You, the machine makes it. You just have to go, you have to push down the lever to get it for yourself. Yeah, yeah right. that's it. I never thought about it that way. So you've given me a new outlook on that. So our time is almost up. I always ask uh, my inter people I'm interviewing if they have one last little nugget that they would like to share. Something that if you they don't get anything else out of the interview, that one little last thing that you impression that you want to leave on it, what would it be? Well, the the uh, I think uh, the point I, I write in this epilogue. I think it's it's important. Um, I, I write, uh, not in that blog, in, in the beginning of the book, a uh, prologue. Uh, I wrote this uh, a lot. Uh, my, my first wife, she had ALS, and she passed away last year. And I wrote something about, and she passed away during Passover. And again, I, I, I bring Passover into this, uh, and about how she was. Uh, because Passover is like freedom from slavery, and a lot of people just like think when they think of freedom, they think freedom from. But when you think of okay, you're freed from slavery and you're in the desert for 40 years, it's not the freedom from, it's the freedom to. And and that's what I want people to focus on. What is going to be your freedom to, and not necessarily the freedom from. And and I think that this book, superpowers, uh, that's what you get. The the other thing I do not like when people talk about good, like you read a lot of these books, good habits, bad habits. I, I'm a, habits, I think of like parking, alternate side parking. You have a good parking spot, but eventually you end up moving the car. Normals are, you, you embrace your normals. You, you find normals that you have. That's more permanent. It's you're building a house. And I want people to find their, their normals and that's going to be their superpowers. I love that. I love that. Embracing your normals. Well, I'm going to already tell you, you already gave me my title for this particular episode. And you talked about at the very beginning, embracing your crankiness. And that's what I'm going to entitle this episode. Because that's what it is. I think that's exactly what it is, is that we need to embrace 
the good, the bad, and the ugly of ourselves and not be so down on ourselves. Because I think in this day and age, everybody gets so down about things that aren't right in this world instead of things that are, you know what, maybe it's not right, but we need to laugh about what's not right. You know? And, and then make it right. Right. And making it right. Yeah. So what's coming up next for you? Well, uh, coming up next, I, well, this just came out a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, and my illustrator is working on my next Snoodles book, uh, Snoodles in Space, Volume Episode 2, The Zoodle Strike Back, which I'm really excited about uh, because, like, I've seen the illustrations and they're, like, amazing as always. That's all you could do. Uh, so that's, that's going to be out next year. And uh, I'm thinking about writing a novel. And what's the basis of the novel? Uh, it's it's very uh, complicated. You know, it's just uh, it's it's a it's it's just a trial consultant who's pulled into this murder trial in Paris after she learns her grandmother in Paris. Her grandmother lives in Paris. She's a New Yorker, but uh, but uh, her grandmother gets murdered. Uh, and her, her father had been a pharmaceutical industry person. The person accused of murder was a good friend of her father. And, and so she's pulled into this, this, the culture of France and the legal system of France and dealing with her grandmother and, and uh, this friend. And uh, it's, uh, it's kind of uh, like I have the movie in my head, actually, because there's oh, a lot wow. of different scenes as opposed to the... Uh, the story is because like it's and I could go into another half hour just talking about the little things that because it, it really pulls out real life events that it's like that it's like you, you, your mouth is agape yeah but <laughs> uh, but that's that's what makes this story like I think compelling and I'm excited to write that and when do you think that will be done I don't know I don't know <laughs> I have well, there's research in that one, yes, and then, okay. and then I have to work. I have a friend who happens to be the trial consultant, and I have to get, I have to like uh, get stuff out of her and see what I come up with, and and again that'll be a collaboration, which is always exciting. Well, I will say when that does, when you do get it written, you're more than welcome to come back on and share about the book as well. Well, thank you, thank you for having me. So, guys, um, I will put in the show notes all where you can find all of Stephen's work as well as where you can find Stephen. And thank you so much, Stephen, for coming on and for sharing and for embracing our crankiness and for telling us to embrace our crankiness. Yes. I think that's very important. Great. Thank you so much, Melissa. You're welcome. And, guys, be blessed. And remember, keep chatting and embrace your crankiness. Bye. Chats from the blog cabin. Hit subscribe and don't miss the next episode.